0: The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Hello and welcome to Film Jitsu, the podcast that wields films like deadly weapons. We are your hosts. I am Jay. And I am Mike. On this episode, we're stepping outside of our usual format and doing something special. With this being the end of the year, and more importantly, with it being award season, we decided it would be better for us to look back at what we watched for the show over the past 12 months and cry, just cry it out completely, that we wasted, when accumulated, a total of 35.5 hours watching 21 shitty movies for this show in 2023. But we're not here to cry. It's a time for celebration. We've made it through another year and somehow, perhaps more impressively, through the entirety of the Happy Time Murders. And what better way to put a full year of garbage cinema watching in perspective than by hosting our very own year-end awards, the Jitsus, or the Jits, for short. (laughs) You know, unlike the shits, the jits are something you want. This is our way of saying thank you to the entertainers who, like little cinematic Alka-Seltzers, made our movie heartburn that much less excruciating. Our only criteria for the jits is that the movies be one of the 21 we watched as main reviews on the show, and that we find something, like anything, good to say about them We've also decided to go a little People's Choice, or maybe the MTV Movie Awards, by tossing in a few category awards, such as Best Love Scene and Best Death Scene. Finally, we'll be wrapping up the show with an epic Best Picture version of Kick 2 Pick 2, which, when I think about it, is actually Kick 3 Pick 1. In that one, it has to be a pick both Mike and I agree upon. The Impossible Dream. Now, since this is a year-in-review show, and it wouldn't be Film Jitsu without a Bottom Five list, we decided the Bottom Five for this special episode will be our Bottom Five Film Jitsu Moments. So basically, we're spending this episode saying nice things about crappy movies and crappy things about ourselves. So with all that out of the way, let's get started. Welcome to the 2023 Film Jitsu Awards.
0: If I was Billy Crystal, I would already joke about how long this show is going to go tonight.
1: But we don't have that much good to say about these movies. And I think that was probably our challenge, right?
0: I think the fun here is to take a look at the movies that we've watched. I can't believe you did the math. I could have gone my whole life without that. I didn't (laughs) need to know that information. That's that's bad news for everybody. but let's celebrate because what I never want to be lost in film jitsu is the fact that we're never taking ourselves seriously. Who are we to make fun of anybody else's movies? The answer is nobody, nobody. And so I think it's important that we wrap up the show, making fun of ourselves. We're going to turn that critical eye around on ourselves. Let's dig in a little bit to the movies that we've watched over the course of this year and just have fun saying, Hey, you know what? It wasn't all that bad.
1: You want to go ahead and start?
0: Absolutely. Our first category for The inaugural 2023 Jitsu is going to be in the category of Best Stunt.
1: I got a great choice for this one, but I really want you to go first.
0: This is going to be a pretty Mike Merrigan sort of pick because I went a little outside the box here on Stunt. For me, there was no stunt, more daring, more dangerous, more death-defying, and likely to result in career death than the hoops Frank Langella had to jump through to try and make Brain Scan a real movie. My pick... (laughs) For best stunt, Frank Langella acting opposite Eddie Furlong in Brain Scam. (laughs) That's a stunt. (laughs) It's a stunt. Of course it is. A bad script, lazy directing, sharing a screen opposite Eddie fucking Furlong. No one in our lineup put their ass on the line more than Frank Langella. I'm going with Frank Langella pulling off the impossible feat of acting opposite Eddie Furlong.
1: You probably thought that I did something from Cats, but in truth be told, I also chose Brainscan, hilariously. (laughs) Did you really? And it wasn't for Frank Langella, it was for Eddie Furlong, for all the sweating that he does in (laughs) Brainscan, because I feel as though he's lucky to actually be alive after all of that. I mean, how can somebody lose that much moisture on screen and then live to tell the tale later? (laughs) Henceforth,
0: we will call the award for the stunt category, The Sweaty Eddie. Excellent. I love it why don't we kick off our next award, Best Actor in a Motion Picture We Watched This Year.
1: A motion picture.
0: (laughs) I did take this one seriously, and my pick is simultaneously a surprise and not at all a surprise. We had some real heavy hitters to choose from. Robert Redford in Out of Africa jumps right out. Mm,
1: That's right. But
0: I wasn't crazy about any of the performances there. I went with Bill Murray in larger... Than life
1: (laughs) You really did like him in that movie
0: I was so pleasantly surprised To find a genuine Bill Murray performance In a pretty lackluster film No! No! God, this is not the right thing This is the wrong thing We did this already No, don't sit down Please don't sit down Please No, don't sit down Stand up You can sit down in the car Come on, God. I got a Murray performance that I didn't know existed. And that's always going to get an award from this guy by himself, just doing his thing. Bill Murray in this movie was Bill Murray.
1: No, that's fair. That's fair.
0: I hate to use something as cheesy as a revelation, but to me, Oh boy. It, it was a revelation <laughs> that there was a Bill Murray performance out there that I didn't know with my eyes closed. Everybody can quote Peter Vankman, Everybody can quote Phil Connors. Everybody can quote Caddyshack. I don't know anybody that is conversive in larger than life. I don't know anybody other than you and I that's even aware that this thing exists. And so <laughs> it was a real surprise for me. I I had a good time.
1: Well, that's very cool. I went a completely different direction. I thought about what was the most affecting performance that I had seen. I actually went with um, Jaden Martell for Book of Henry. I don't think that there was a moment that I felt was as gut-wrenching as the moment when he was in pain in the in the room and he was clawing toward a window and screaming and he left such a major hole in the movie that it could never quite make up for when he left it there was that whole cloak and dagger thing with naomi watts and the fellow from breaking bad the anchor for this movie it was almost a good movie for the time that he was in it And there was one other really good performance, and you're going to laugh your ass off at this one, but it was a true contender, and that was Ian McClellan for Cats. (laughs) I mean, he was really, really good, and it was so earnest, and so I tried to go with ones that, but ultimately it was Jaden Martell for um, Book of Henry.
0: I didn't see the movie, but I'm not going to give you grief for giving Ian McClellan consideration for an (laughs) acting award. The guy's amazing. That's fair. I really liked Jaden Martell's performance in that film as well. I considered him for this category. I also considered Dean Norris as a supporting actor, also for The Book of Henry. He didn't have as many scenes as I would have liked, but he's such a reliable actor that even in a small part, he really does command the screen and and makes good use of his screen time. But for me, it had to be Murray. But I'm glad to see that Jaden Martell made it on here because kid actors don't usually get a lot of love. And I think he was wonderful in the film. Honestly, you're right. He's the titular Henry, perhaps not the book, but.
1: (laughs) Yes, he did not play the book. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's
0: going to be, that'll be a category next year. We're going to award best Best book. book. In a motion picture. Yeah, perfect.
1: In our next category for the jits, we're going to go ahead and award best actress. For this one, I believe I'm going to go first. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you that it is. Wow. Naomi Watts for The Book of Henry look there are only so many good options when you're talking about film jitsu and Book of Henry was a failure in story a failure in screenwriting really that's right because just about everything else worked pretty damn well and especially Naomi Watts performance as Susan Carpenter the mother of Henry and Peter oh, baby.
0: what tell me Sometimes I think it should have been me.
1: No. How can you say that?
0: People would be less sad then. Listen to me. If
1: anything happened to you, I I don't know what I'd do. Henry was amazing, but you, you're just as special. And the fact that you think you're any less important to me isn't just wrong, it's And she was acting with a pretty rough script and still really good. And that was Naomi Watts, Book of Henry. What about you?
0: I hope Naomi Watts carried a big
1: briefcase to the Jitsu
0: Awards because she's leaving with two trophies. She is also my winner for Best Uh, Actress as well. It was a lousy screenplay that spoiled a few good performances. But Watts, as she always is, is able to rise above the material and be one of the true standouts in this category for sure. Meryl Streep was a choice.
1: Yeah, she was. Yeah.
0: We are presenting awards and somehow, (laughs) even though our podcast is what it is, still Meryl Streep is in the running to receive a best actress award, even in the goddamn Jitsus here. (laughs) But I just couldn't do it. And so I can't think of anybody that stood out in the category more enough for me to deserve the award, even over Meryl Streep, than Naomi Watts.
1: I'm sure in like 2028 or so, something like that, when you have to do Mamma Mia, then th- there'll be a, a Meryl <laughs> Streep.
0: You son of a bitch. That's not what this program is about. We are <laughs> celebrating the past year. You are not threatening me with what's going to happen in 2024. 2028. That is not what this was about.
1: 2028, I said. Oh, you're going to hold off that long? <laughs> I'm going to hold nice off thing. that long. Okay, yeah, that's, good.
0: that's extremely ambitious of you. <laughs> We've given out some pretty major category awards here. Mm -hmm. Let's have a little fun here. Something that you don't usually see in an award show, unless it's being hosted by, I don't know, Zach Efron or somebody. Do they still do those MTV movie awards, you think? I don't know.
1: I was wondering the same thing. I actually don't know, but I was thinking of the Blockbuster Awards. That's how far back my head went. (laughs) The
0: Blockbuster Awards, huh? Wow. The Mountain Dew Plus Daytime Emmy Awards. Smash
1: Mouth would be doing the intro (laughs) music.
0: (laughs) Let's go ahead then and consider who we're going to give the statue to for best love scene.
1: This is a category near and dear to my heart. (laughs) As I listened back over for our worst moments, what I kept noticing was how often I talked about things like love scenes and nudity. And then I realized that your great plan with film jitsu in general was just to expose me as the pervert I am. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I like how much of the time you're like, okay, so technically this might be softcore pornography. However.
1: (laughs) Well, in this case, for love scenes, we actually didn't have a lot of options, truthfully. There really weren't that many. I think I know your pick. I'm not 100% sure. But I went with Mia, Sarah, and Jean-Claude Van Damme in time cop you really liked this you really liked this scene <laughs> i just i know i mentioned it so many times i chose the tender but really overly long love scene between sloan from ferris bueller's day off and jean-claude van damme so
0: <laughs> i want our listeners to go back and listen to that review of time cop because you got so serious about that scene that i almost just paused my screen and like put my microphone on mute and gave you five minutes by yourself. Because <laughs> you, you spoke of this scene with such sincerity that I was like, I think Jason needs a moment before he's ready to continue. Listen so, to the
1: show again. None of what Mike is saying is actually true. <laughs> You're ridiculous.
0: Well, I am ridiculous. And as much as I'd love to talk about silly string orgasms and jerking off cows again, the happy time murders is not my winner here because <laughs> It is so obviously the shower scene in Knock Knock.
1: Oh, of course. Right.
0: Maybe the only thing Eli Roth has ever done right, and certainly the greatest gift a man has ever given his wife, is to cast her in a shower scene with Anna de Armas (laughs) and Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Not that I ever want an Eli Roth movie to be any longer than it has to be, but but I might have watched that scene two or three or four more times than I needed to. <laughs> I, are you kidding me, Jay? You watched this, right? is
1: the reason I assigned it to you.
0: Yeah, the knock-knockin' <laughs> boots scene in that movie <laughs> is easily the best love scene that we saw so far this year.
1: I That one bugged the hell out of me contextually, So, and the acting is just so terrible all the way through. There was, was no like...
0: acting. There, it was a shower. There were legs and arms. That scene was okay because... In that moment, everything was still consensual for that part of the film. Right, right, We hadn't crossed over into what makes the movie what it is. Yes, that's true. So this is just Keanu Reeves has been home alone for 14 minutes. (laughs) And these women show up and he ends up in the shower with them. How is that not the best love scene we saw all year?
1: (laughs) So following up on our love scene award, we're going to go ahead and go with another cheeky category. And that one is death scene.
0: If you don't know what my winner is for death scene, then I might just cancel the whole goddamn podcast.
1: I don't even know what I chose. Oh, yeah, I know what I chose. Okay. (laughs) Jason,
0: it's the only death scene that injected white-hot blazing terror into the fabric of my goddamn soul this year.
1: of course, of course. The beyond, the spiders.
0: (laughs) The spiders in the beyond, the sort of thing that creates generational trauma that will impact (laughs) the lives of of countless future Marigans, <laughs> is it the most realistic death scene we saw? No. Yeah. Is it the most graphic? Not really. Even does it make me want to vomit my rib cage out of my <laughs> mouth like a t-shirt cannon? You damn well better believe it does.
1: <laughs> that is so so good. Of course. Why did it, it did not occur to me that you would even pick that? I thought you just blocked it out completely, like it never happened. I
0: thought so, too, except about once a week, I wake up screaming in the middle of the night.
1: Oh, man, I really that's what you get when you when you invite me to the show and give me cats. That's what you get. I think the worst
0: part is, is you were all like, oh, I forgot there were tarantulas. In I that totally movie. forgot. Oh, yeah. You had no idea. No, I didn't.
1: know. I completely forgot. I you did. just
0: did the meanest thing you've ever done to me
1: accidentally. <laughs> accidentally. There'll be more on the the kind of accidental nature of my existence later on, but for now, I'm going to talk about my death scene, which would be a much more conventional pick, but it's the real estate lawyer who gets sliced in half profile-wise in 13 Ghosts, so you get this entire place that's filled with all these glass walls and everything, and at one point... They go up and just slice a dude completely in half. But it's not in half the way we usually think. It's a vertical in half. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's yeah. so gross. It's just so disgusting. And it's one of the coolest death scenes in movies, period. So absolutely deserves a jitsu from me.
0: Maybe we have our first real upset here in the night because it seemed to me like Jaden Martell's death scene in Book of Henry might have been a lock for this.
1: Yeah, no, I I couldn't go there.
0: Oh, I It was such an effective scene. I really gave it strong consideration. Were it not for an army of face-eating tarantulas, Jason, <laughs> then I would have gone with Jaden Martell in Book of Henry for that scene because I think we talked at length and even here tonight about how gut-wrenching that scene was.
1: It was a tough one for sure, yeah. And it was very well acted. But I think ultimately I went with the thing that's most memorable for me. And I probably, mm-hmm. like you with the tarantulas, I block out child death uh-huh. when I'm going Fair through enough. my reviews.
0: That seems like a healthy thing to do, I think. <laughs> Jay, up next is a category I know you love. Mm-hmm. Best score. For sure. Movie music is something that you have always loved a lot more than me honestly so i'm excited to hear what you decided to give the jitsu for best score
1: i probably couldn't surprise you more with this pick honest god and it ended up being you know it don't you you can tell what this is gonna be is it gonna be cats fuck you no, of course it's not cats jesus <laughs> christ man <laughs> what? What? jesus okay. no it's mandy johan oh, johansson wow. score Look, I despise the movie, Mandy, for so many reasons, but the music score certainly is not one of them. As a tribute to Johan Johansson, who passed away in 2018 at only 48 years old, and who did some incredible score work for Denis Villeneuve. It's without even a trace of sarcasm, Mike, that I award Mandy a for its lurid, guitar-heavy, synth-layered score that does at least 70%, probably more like 85% of the work, building what most people commend as its textured atmosphere. So definitely Johan Johansson for Mandy.
0: Wow, I cannot believe you just gave an award to Mandy. Neither can
1: I, believe me. But when you look at the other options, (laughs) again, it wasn't going to be Police Academy 4 as much as (laughs) I love the Blue Oyster theme.
0: We did review a two-hour musical at at some point in the podcast. Episode number one was a two-hour musical.
1: But I was very pointed about the problem with Cats.
0: (laughs) Well, I think we can feel pretty good about the two films walking away with awards in the category of best score. Because when I review a film and describe the score as Nintendo porn, yeah, that's my winner. It's Fabio Frizi for 1981's The Beyond.
1: Man, wow. Two awards for The Beyond now.
0: For me, yeah, part of our Halloween specials directed by Lucio Fulci. It's the film where we talked about the music more than any other movie that we reviewed. And I will remind you again, we watched a two hour musical, (laughs) but we talked so much about Freezy and all the Italian composers. And I didn't feel like I could have one of those guys nominated in a category and not walk away with the award. So I had to give it to the beyond. You're right. Back to back beyond awards. From this guy.
1: Very cool. Very cool. I I am a little bit surprised that neither one of us went for John Barry's score for Out of Africa. That is a very well-known score. I think it may have won an Oscar. So maybe that's why you decided, nope. Or maybe it's just that the score conjures endless, truly endless images of choo-choo trains just going across.
0: (laughs) Honestly, it might be a spoiler here at this point to say I didn't award Out of Africa anything. Mostly because it is such a awards-heavy, prestige picture. I felt like I wanted to recognize the other, other movies stuff. that we watched. Fair enough. Because this was absolutely an option. And I guess a great segue into our next category, the cinematography is maybe the only positive quality of Out of Africa. It is very, very good. Oscar-winningly good by mm-hmm. David Watkin, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. But it's not my pick because, truthfully, if I close my eyes, And I see one film jitsu movie in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's Mandy. Oh, cinematographer. Come on. Benjamin Loeb. Are you for real? As much as Mandy is not a lot of things, what it is is a hypnotic fever dream Mm -hmm. of a visual picture. It's a psychedelic experience of colors and images that I can't quite articulate, but also can't quite shake. Mm. And If I was unsure of myself here and I knew that you were going to give me shit, all I have to do is remind myself that Benjamin Loeb was also the cinematographer for the film after Yang. So his work in Mandy is legit and it's my winner. Yeah. Best cinematography this year, Benjamin Loeb for Mandy.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I know where you're coming from with it. I just flat out disagree. I didn't like a lot of the shot choices for the film. I do see what they were going for. And I think he achieved the look and the ambience but it just did not work for me and i think it largely had more to do with the editing and the direction than necessarily the director of photography work so i probably penalize it for a lot of things that i don't like about the movie Mm. but i of course went with who you already mentioned david watkin for out of africa
0: it's such a legitimate pick
1: i mean it's it's gorgeous it was neck and neck with claudio miranda for the curious case of benjamin button But Mm. I'm inclined to give Miranda a jit because he lost the Oscar to Anthony Dodd Mantle for Slumdog Millionaire. But considering that Benny Butts led the pack at the 2008 Oscars with 13 nominations, Mm. maybe it's fine to give it to Out of Africa and it's lowly 11 nominations. (laughs) It's hard out there. Jesus, Mike, what are we even doing with this podcast? Like, (laughs) is this film Jitsu? Because we're talking about. Real deal Oscar winners here. I couldn't leave David Watkin out in the rain. I had to I had to bring him in.
0: That's exactly the reason that I did leave him out in the yeah, rain. Because fair. I made a rule for myself. And this would have been the only thing that I would have nominated it for. Because we talked a lot about that. The only redeeming part of that picture for me is the cinematography. It's a yep. gorgeous film. It really is. I had to overlook it on a technicality. But I think we did it right by it walking away with an award from you. Which now then brings us to... The big one, right? The big right. one. This is the it. The big one.
1: We're up to director. We know what this category means. It's probably or could be tied into best picture. That could happen here.
0: You're right. oftentimes, best director gives us a little bit of inside mm-hmm. information for best picture. And, and we'll see if it goes that way because we're going to fight for best picture, with, yeah. which I'm excited about. Best director for me is David Fincher for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yeah. You know I'm a shill for Fincher, sure. There weren't too many real-ass movies in our lineup this year, so (laughs) Tickens were slim, right? While we had some surprisingly good direction in a film like I Am a Ghost and some unsurprisingly bad direction from the likes of Eli Roth, David Fincher is still David Fincher. So much so that I think next year, I'll be more careful about the filmmakers I select. It's not really fair... To compare David Fincher and Police Academy for his very own Jim Drake, <laughs> we snuck some powerhouse directors, Yeah, maybe some missteps by those directors or curiosities. curiosities. I put Benjamin Button in there not because it's a bad film, but more because I was curious about what you would think about it.
1: It's an outlier in the guy's resume, so it makes it sense is. to it look is. at it, and it isn't. it isn't a great movie, I'm sorry, it just is not.
0: It's not a great movie. And so I don't know that it will be a nominee for me in best picture, mm-hmm. but Fincher makes a movie for me. It was melancholy. It was sentimental. It was pretty gorgeous. It's an obvious standout in the other films that we watched this
1: year. So much a standout that I too gave David Fincher best director Whoa. for the curious case of Benjamin Button technical wizardry at its finest just leave it at that that said it's got a third act that's trash and a loathsome selfish lead character so actually i'm just going to give the award to colin Trevorrow for the book of henry instead you can't unless you figure out how to pronounce his name no i'm, just, I'm kidding no nope. you, you can't then do it I can't if you can't it pronounce him. his name I, it's, it. It's a, what, is it trevoro we, right. we don't know we don't We've know we don't a year
0: to figure it out we don't then know. it goes to fincher fincher it is Jason, you know, I've been looking forward to this part of the show <laughs> all year long. Mm-hmm. Who are we to make fun of anyone else? <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely the truth.
0: Getting this show back off the ground has, honest to God, been the best part of my 2023, for sure. Mm-hmm. Getting to record with you week after week has been so much more rewarding than even I anticipated because I think the goal is for you and I to talk about movies more. We mm-hmm. used to do it. All the time. My real hope for film Jitsu was that you and I would just get to talk about movies again. But Mm. one of the things I love most about film Jitsu is how bad we actually are at film Jitsu. Oh my God. Some of the time. Oh boy. And so we're going to do our bottom five film Jitsu moments. Let's make fun of ourselves, prove that we can take the piss out of ourselves just as much as we can with something like Knight Rider or kids, or anything else. Five, four, three, two, one. Why don't you lead us off with what your bottom five film jitsu moments
1: are? You know, at my number five, I have something that's I call incidental wit, which is probably my favorite phrase that I've ever coined, because one, it describes me succinctly, and two, it's an oxymoron. To be witty means you're clever. You see an opportunity and you seize it and you say something funny. But me, I'm constantly falling sideways into jokes that should be witty where they actually intended. There's no better example of this than in our I Am a Ghost, a Ghost Story episode, where I make the perfect joke completely unintentionally.
0: Who starts chasing her around the house, waving his yeah. wiener around, and violently attacking her with what yeah. I assume is a ghost knife. And so he's chasing her, he's stabbing her, and she gets away, kind of, and then that's the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, it kind of, it, it peters out at the end, and I think that... <laughs> no look, pun intended, I mean...
0: but yeah, we get about 10 <laughs> minutes where this movie peters out. I see what you're getting at, so... <laughs> I am talking about literal Peters out and you just managed to use the phrase while (laughs) it's happening.
1: Yep. But it totally, it was unintended, but it sounds like maybe it was intended, but the truth of the matter is (laughs) unintentional wit is something that I am guilty of over and over and over again in life. And to see it captured in posterity on film Jitsu, we just, we had to point it out. So that's my number five. What about you?
0: My number five, uh, I wanted to make fun of myself a little bit for my editing prowess in some of these early episodes because I don't know why I thought a goddamn techno dance party was the right transition from out of Africa into whatever <laughs> came next. But I'm listening to this episode and we have just talked about this long, epic, romantic drama. And For 20 minutes, we're talking about Africa and feminism.
1: Colonialism.
0: (laughs) This happens. What was I thinking? All of the music in the world, it could have been anything. And this is what I thought made total sense right here.
1: Well, Mike... That wasn't your fault. That was mine. See, originally when we did this show, we used music that we didn't have licensing for. And because we were up against a schedule, it was suddenly decided that I was going to use a bunch of music that I scored movies with back in 2004. So we were using 20-year-old looped techno music that I created under the pseudonym Ming. So no, Mike, it wasn't you that put that there. That was me. You can thank me for that bottom five moment.
0: Why would we have done that? <laughs>
1: why would we have used
0: that music in that space?
1: I wish I knew why. <laughs> Just as
0: Well, what did we learn here, Jason? I guess, I guess we learned not to do it again.
1: Perhaps. Perhaps we did. <laughs> what we learned is that Jason absolutely 100% cannot be trusted to provide the right music for the show. <laughs> so technically that one is 100% my fault. So I'm going to go here, and I know we were supposed to stick to our own bottom five moments here, but I got to call bullshit on you, Merrigan, for something you did during our Larger Than Life episode. Not sure if you recall this, but you full on admitted that you fell asleep during the movie (laughs) and went as far as explaining to our listeners that there are not 21 minutes of the George Burns movie 18 again in Larger Than Life. There aren't. (laughs) Falling asleep during a movie is one thing. I think it took me about a month to watch cats all the way through. But when I mentioned the crazy scene in the movie where Murray and elephant sidekick stumble into a village being torn apart by a monsoon, you looked at me blank faced and said, yeah, I might've been asleep for that. (laughs) (laughs) If I can stay awake through that never ending speech by the children of the new dawn cult leader and Mandy, You sure as fuck could have paid attention while Vera the elephant saved the day by holding up the wall of a wind blasted church.
0: I mean, I think I saw it, (laughs) but I wasn't sure if it was 18 again or if it was larger (laughs) than life. I wasn't really sure. So I decided, you know what? It feels like that's good enough.
1: Sure, Mike. (laughs) You, You live with that. You keep living with that.
0: You're right, maybe that wasn't my finest moment I typically commit to actually watching the whole movie Sure, yeah, that's kind of our thing We're supposed to watch the whole movie And I think I did watch the whole movie I also watched about 20 minutes of 18 again In the middle of the movie And I can't tell you which scene was from which movie So
1: There you go, yeah, I'll I'll believe you You keep living with that rationale But I know the truth I saw your face You looked at me like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about
0: I think I saw it when I was rewinding after 18 again to figure out where I might've left off. And then I was like, you know what? I saw it in rewind. rewind. That's good enough. I know. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. I saw
0: the whole church go back up. It was fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything was fine. I can take that criticism on the chin because my number four is also a moment of shame (laughs) for yours. Truly. My number four film Jitsu moment is. When I chose to disrespect the dead <laughs> by wishing that Bill Hinsman would die <laughs> and you pointed out to me that in fact he already had. But Bill Hinsman should just, he should just go take a flying fucking a rolling donut. I think
1: he, I think he may have. I, I think he's,
0: I think he's gone. Uh, he, oh, is he dead? He's probably dead. Well, maybe this time he'll stay that way. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) Apologies to Mr. Hensman's family. I'm sure he was a treasure. And so, yes, I disrespected a dead man on our podcast. My bad.
1: Man, that clip says it all. It just says it all. How much you absolutely despised Flesh Eater.
0: It's a terrible movie. You know what? I'm going to call an Audible here. I know that this is our bottom five film Jitsu Moments. I don't know if you can have a bottom five moment within a bottom five moment. But you know what? I'm actually still kind of glad Bill Hinsman's dead. Flesh Eaters is a terrible movie.
1: (laughs) Well, at my number three, look, I think I have this tendency to be like one of those NPR reporters who speak with a completely normal, straight American accent. And then whenever a fanciful Spanish name or word floats by, I completely overdo the pronunciation. Mike, you're genuinely kind for saying I am not pretentious for pronouncing words like Barcelona with a Castilian lisp and for arguing that it makes sense that I do so because I'm married to a Spaniard. But when I roll my R's like Dice in Vegas, I should be called <laughs> out for it. And hilariously, I was once texted after a friend listened to our Knock Knock episode and heard the way I pronounced Lin-Manuel Miranda's birthplace. <laughs> You just
0: did it right there.
1: <laughs> he's very talented. He writes some really cool, fun Latin influence. Obviously, uh, he's from uh, Puerto Rico. So, you said it though. I have always found
0: this to be a bit charming, and I've always <laughs> given you a pass on it because yeah. you are married to a Spanish speaking yeah. woman. Right. I feel like around your household, this is probably a thing. And so, you unbelievably maybe the only person I know actually get a pass on this particular habit because I find it obnoxious as hell when anybody else does it. But yeah. for you, it makes total sense. So I've never called you out on it because I think you kind of have a license to go for it.
1: Yeah. So the next time that Guillermo del Toro comes up, I can, uh, it's okay. Or in Yari too, so. or, you yeah. know,
0: <laughs> yeah, you hit that Ana de Armas pretty hardcore that one time.
1: <laughs> I wish.
0: fair that's fair while we're talking about things that you have done my number three actually is a santo moment because what well because jason i am still so upset that you don't understand how a leprechaun coming out of a penis isn't magic this like We had a long conversation where I still think you fundamentally do not understand how a penis works because (laughs) we walked away from that episode and you insisted that it was somehow like penises or magic lamps and that leprechauns should be able to come out of them. And I'm telling you, we need to pin this down once and for all so that we're on the same page about how leprechauns coming out of your penis actually works. Jason, if a leprechaun comes out of your penis, it does not matter how magical he is. It's got to be a bloodbath.
1: I disagree completely still. This is my number one bottom five moment. No. No. This is my number one bottom five moment. That's right. During the Beyond, you chose that stupid scene. And I was like, for whatever reason, I really got a hair across my ass about this because I was like, no, man, it's magic. Leprechauns are magic. He could (laughs) pop out like, like a genie when you rub a lamp. This was both... Our worst moment and our best moment. I just don't know what to tell you. Our argument about the leprechaun incident, which is what I call it, just I like that it comes up enough that you're like, no, 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 I have to. Whenever I
0: talk about this at length in my private life, not on this podcast, I call it the leprechaun incident. So, wait. In this moment, then, not only are you are you
1: doubling down on how wrong you are, but it's on your I'm list telling you you're wrong, okay? I'm telling you that the entire thing is absurd that we went as far with the argument as we have, but now we've gone even farther with it. We've entrenched ourselves even more about Brian Trenchard Smith's fucking leprechaun Four in space, and we're both like, "No, I'm right.
0: OK. Hold on. Let's go to the tape here. If you look at the scene, he's there getting the space handy. Mm -hmm. He's enjoying it. Then the leprechaun starts coming out and he is in obvious pain. He's dead at the end of the scene. So there is a physical interaction going on here, which means this isn't magic. There is something terrible happening to the guy and his penis should explode.
1: Back into the left back into the left no you're ridiculous it is the entire situation is supernatural in origin and it's fucking magic it's absolutely magic you're gonna tell me that if a leprechaun comes
0: out of your penis you're gonna be like this feels fine i'm gonna be fine that's it's so magical the motherfucker
1: died you shit fuck
0: because the leprechaun exploded out of his penis he didn't explode out of it clearly
1: he didn't because there was no gore
0: Exactly. That's my entire point. That makes no sense.
1: It that does makes make sense. no
0: fucking sense.
1: It absolutely can make sense because it's magic. Well, leprechauns so, are magical beings.
0: Are yes, they not? Yes, and penises are not magical <laughs> beings. They are not magical portals for leprechauns. Why not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we know your time is valuable. Thank you for holding. Someone will be with you as soon as possible. so that was my number one it was your number three because we both shared a three and a number one now i'll just talk about my number two mike and uh man i gotta tell you i do a ton of bad impersonations and terrible sound effects with my mouth on this show (laughs) it's just i it's how i talk I think I'm funny, and I'm just... I'm so not. Never is there a more apparent case of this than my horrendous showstopper impression of Malcolm McDowell from Star Trek Generations during episode three out of Africa. (laughs) They say that time is the fire in which we burn. (laughs) Wow. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I am horrendously embarrassed because i can actually hear your pause in the show (laughs) where you're like what the fuck is he doing (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) that's really what makes it so hard for me to listen to it's not that it was that bad it's that it it really does come quite out of nowhere and you (laughs) don't know what to do with
0: it (laughs) One of the things I have often appreciated about you is your willingness to do impressions. And I have discovered over the years that there are a handful of impressions that you really love and you really treasure doing. For example, the one that jumps out to me, whenever we were talking about Ghostbusters 2 and I started to do a little Yanosh, you came sliding right in there. You're like, no, no, no this is my moment. That's I got a Yanosh. You love doing the Janosch. You I love do. it. I,
1: Played wonderfully by Peter McNichol. Why am is I quoted...
0: covered in goo?
1: <laughs> no, why am I covered with goo? But he's, he's so good in this.
0: Uh, you know what? Don't ever stop doing impressions on this show. I live for those moments.
1: Hi, everyone. Oh, I'm Olaf, and I like warm hugs. I'm just humiliated by my own mouth.
0: I am a guy who is humiliated by his own mouth almost constantly. <laughs> Speaking of being humiliated by my own mouth, My number two Mm -hmm. has got to be, and really this should be my number one, but it has got to be the disaster that was my (laughs) audio quality in our time cop episode. Here we are. We are relaunching the podcast. I am so excited. We got an episode out there. Now we're going to do this follow-up. We're back to the races, right? Film Jits is back, baby. And I can't set the microphone the right way recorded (laughs) off my laptop the whole time and then didn't realize it until we had to put the episode out so much so that you had to lower the quality of your audio to try to match how terrible mine was. It was such a calamity, like such a disappointing rookie idiot maneuver Mm. and it's embarrassing that the episode went out that way. I almost thought about recording the episode all over again because it was so atrocious. I actually genuinely wonder if maybe we, we lost listeners because just a couple episodes into the show, my audio was so bad. Hmm. So this is one that, that I actually feel genuinely bad about still. Like it's the one that it really gets under my skin.
1: That's a tough one. I think, The silver lining out of it was that you had this wonderful intro in it where you said that your audio sounded like you were coming from the space between Zack Snyder's ears or something along those (laughs) lines. And I was like, yeah, that's so good. On the plus side, I sounded pretty decent on it. So there's that.
0: You sounded great, even though you had to lower the quality (laughs) of your audio to meet me down in the depths of where I was.
1: Well. Mistakes happen. We moved on. It is Film Jitsu.
0: Which then, of course, brings us to my number one, yeah, because I believe yeah. you've already given us your number one. I think so, Yep. Yeah. You were wrong about it. But no, I was right. It's too late.
1: It's too late. I'm really sorry that you're wrong.
0: Well, I'll tell you what else I was wrong about. I thought for sure that having a running bit on this show would be funny. I thought for sure that pronouncing Joaquin Phoenix's name differently every time we talked about him would be a hoot. I thought that calling him joaquin phoenix might be funny i thought that calling him all kinds of different things would be funny but it turns out that we don't talk about him all that much because he's kind of a great actor so there's really just a couple of times where it sounds like i don't know how to pronounce joaquin phoenix's name starring joaquin phoenix as doc sportello joaquin phoenix as doc sportello for me is as memorable and so pretty early on in the show yeah, I tried to, I tried to drop Joe Phoenix in there and you can't really set up a bit if you're not going to keep it going. And so I just sounded like an idiot.
1: <laughs>
0: that's right. My number one bottom five film jitsu moment is me sounding like an absolute idiot pronouncing Joaquin Phoenix's name as Joe Phoenix for a laugh that nobody got.
1: It made me laugh at the time. So <laughs> really that's all this
0: podcast is. Let's be honest. There's nobody else listening to this. It's true. This. We are just we're making this podcast for ourselves. We're giving awards out for movies that we watched. And the only people who are going to hear about the awards for the movies that we watched are us. So <laughs> I don't really even know what any of this is for, but I'm, I'm going to I guess I'm going to keep doing it if you want to. Yeah. OK, I think so. All right.
1: <laughs> Mike, what a journey the past year has been. That was an unexpected joy going through our bottom five and kind of cleansing ourselves of our podcast sins, if you will.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: But now it's time to do the ultimate edition of Kick 2, Pick 2. So ultimate that it's actually Kick 3, Pick 1. And we have (laughs) to agree. We have to have a consensus pick here at the end.
0: That's right. We have to unlike our other awards we're actually going to put some nominees out there yeah that's right we didn't do nominees before we we did our own and just came to the table with who our winners are but now right here for everybody to hear we are going to nominate four films that are going to be eligible for best picture and
1: then have to do the impossible (laughs) we have to agree (laughs) oh my god this could be easy this could be easy it might be it might be i mean when you really think about it there were only a couple decent movies <laughs> that we uh-huh. actually watched. So maybe this is much ado about nothing, but it does mean that you and I have to agree. So all bets are off. Mike, what are your four picks for best picture for this year's 2023 Jitsus?
0: I decided, like I talked about, yeah, to leave out films that were Oscar nominated Ooh. or seemed a little too powerhouse for me. Whoa. It seemed inevitable. That something like Out of Africa or The Curious Case of Benjamin Button would run away with this. I think that Fincher was the obvious pick for Best Director, but I opted to leave that film off of my four nominees. So the four films that I'm putting forth are The Book of Henry. Whoa. Time Cop. Mandy. Oh. And Friday the 13th. Oh, fuck you. Are you
1: for real? Friday the real. fucking 13th because of the first 10 minutes maybe
0: because I had so much fun I took a really fun I think film jitsu look yes. at my list I wanted to say like what are the films that really stuck out to me as being film jitsu right right that best encapsulate what our podcast is what it can be about and so I thought that this was a really good representation of four, realizing that two of them aren't going to make the final the final list of nominees. But True. so here we are, the four that I brought to the table again, Book of Henry, Time Cop, Mandy, and Friday the thirteenth, part nine, Jason Goes to Hell. Jay, what are your four films?
1: Man, I ranked every single one of the films that we watched, and you need to know that Mandy is actually third from the bottom of all the movies that we, that we watched. That's how okay. much I despised Mandy. Uh, Jason Goes to Hell, about middle of the pack. Hilariously, we have one common pick. Fucking Time Cop. Okay. <laughs> and suddenly I wish that I gave Peter Himes best director, honestly. But... <laughs> so my four, and then we're going to have to come up with a, a, mm. a, another pick which I guess we're going to have to fight it out for that. We're going
0: to fight him out here. So what do you got?
1: Curious case of Benjamin Button at number one. Kids at number two. And number three was Time Cop. And my number four was I am a ghost.
0: (laughs) And we are back. Jason, after some frantic and, frankly, violent deliberation, We are ready to announce the four films nominated for the 2023 Film Jitsu Best Picture. The four films that we have to fight over and agree on are Time Cop, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Mm -hmm. The Book of Henry, and I Am a Ghost.
1: Man, how about that? H.P. Mendoza's I Am a Ghost popping up with these heavy hitters.
0: I don't know that I can do it, but I'm not going to lie. I thought about it. I did consider the film. I think that I have too closely wrapped up in that film are my feelings about David Lowry's ghost story. I don't know that I'm going to be able to give what is ultimately a pretty big failure of a film. Mm -hmm. We did come away being pleasantly surprised at I Am a Ghost. I think we were very favorable on the movie based on what we're expecting, especially for low budget cinema. But when I look at these other movies, Time Cop, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Book of Henry, I don't know if I can go there with I Am a Ghost, but you seem fond of it. But I think I'm going to go to the mat with you here on The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. It's just not the kind of film that I want to award for film jitsu. I think it's a great film. I think it's probably objectively the best film in the bunch from a traditional standpoint, but I don't know if that's us.
1: Right. It doesn't represent the jitsus. I'm going to give it to you. I think you're right about that. I think that um, even though it's my number one seed, if you will, mm, in mm. this, I do agree with your logic here. And I see it. I also see what you're saying about I am a ghost. I remember that I was much more favorable about it and was very disappointed that you weren't more favorable mm. in that despite its 76 minute running time, it took you three or four years to finish.
0: Something like that. I'm, there's a world where I'm still watching it. But I don't know that I want to talk you out of it just yet. I'm actually kind of amazed that we so wholeheartedly just agreed on eliminating Benjamin Button.
1: I think I can for the same okay. exact reason. I can't, I'm not going to go to the map for a movie that I had such a huge problem with. Mm. And that was truly the third act of that film.
0: And it's important, I think, to think about some of the other films we were talking about. Knight Rider 2000.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: The Happy Time Murders. There were some pretty obvious outs. This list was actually hard to come up with. It was. It turns out that when we watch shit movies all the time, it's hard to come up with four that you're like, this is the best one. And to do that and keeping in the spirit of the show, I have to eliminate Benjamin Button. And I think I will be a lot more deliberate in the future about the kinds of films that we review on the show just for this reason. Mm -hmm. But... That leaves us with Time Cop <laughs> and Book of Henry and I Am a Ghost.
1: It's funny that you say that. I want to back up real quick because you say stuff like this about the show. You're always talking about the playlist for the show and how these things kind of go in a logical order so that we're not really dwelling on one particular type of film or or we're not. Sure. And I am very, very into picking things like The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which are big failures, ultimately. I think okay. it's very important to talk about things that Hollywood got wrong, yeah, and have our show be the rearview mirror, where you can look back and go, "Huh, that was pretty fucked up right there." <laughs> and I think that we did that with out of Africa. I love that we did it with the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. But what was entertaining? That's the question. And I think that that's really when you look at these movies, that's what you walk away from. Now, I am a ghost. Zero fucking resources. A really interesting concept that has a pretty great execution aside from a really, really awful voiceover. So much so that I actually wondered if it had informed a wonderful other movie. Mm. From the point of like an originality thing, I go with something like I Am a Ghost. Do I really think it's the best though? That fucker was a patience tester even at its short runtime.
0: It sure is. So let's hold on to it for a second here. Let's not walk away from I am a ghost just yet. I want to get back to something you said. But before that, I think what we have to contend with now is the book of Henry. In my mind, the book of Henry is a little bit like the diet caffeine free version of Benjamin Button.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right.
0: To me, it is guilty of enough of the things that Benjamin Button is guilty of, to knock it off the list. And although I'm not going to ask you to commit to that just yet, what that leaves us with is Time Cop and I Am a Ghost and here is my pitch to you sir. Mm. You use the word entertaining. Correct. I Am a Ghost was painfully yes, unentertaining.
1: Yes, I agree. And yeah.
0: so when we knock out all of the things that we think about when we talk about film jitsu movies, we want them to be bad. We want them to have bad actors like Jean-Claude Van Damme. We want them to be schmaltzy and cheesy and a little over the top like Ron Silver. We want them to be entertaining. I guess I wasn't expecting this, but it is the one shared nominee from both of our lists. Yeah. Are, are we picking Time Cop here for the best picture? Of 2023.
1: Well, there was this whole thing that the listeners didn't hear during this violent process where we had to knock things out that really we took out some pictures that I think we were pretty passionate about. Hmm. Things like Friday the 13th, part nine, or, or it was the final Friday. I... Jason goes to hell. Jason goes to hell. All right. So we should call it that. But regardless, that came into the equation and I couldn't possibly have it. So I vetoed that. You vetoed. Kids. Kids, which I really do think was probably the best overall film that I watched for this show. You opened me up to that film
0: in a way that I was previously not open to. Yeah. But I still hate it. No, <laughs> I that's still, fair. No, I that's still fair. hate that movie.
1: No, and I get that. And again, we come back to the same exact argument that you made. What's entertaining? Do you know what's entertaining? Not a movie about child death. Mm -hmm. Not a movie where there's so much repetition that you actually can't handle it like I'm a ghost. But what is entertaining? Mia Sara banging Jean-Claude Van Damme in and out of time.
0: You know that movie was about more than just that scene, right?
1: Yes, I'm aware. I know. Ron Silver touches himself and turns into (laughs) Gak. I think that it's safe for us to go ahead and Tell the listeners that without a tremendous amount of deliberation, truthfully, ladies and gentlemen, winner of best picture for the 2023 Jitsus,
0: Time Cop. I think the show probably came in at least four hours shorter than the Oscars do, which is nice. That's good. We did that. That's nice. I am absolutely gobsmacked that our best picture had our worst audio. That's amazing. (laughs) Nobody saw that coming, I don't think.
1: (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) That's pretty incredible. What, What could be more film jitsu than that? I think we've done it. I think we have successfully brought film jitsu back from the dead. We made it all the way here to the end of the year. Happy New Year, buddy. We, we are somehow still alive.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I couldn't believe that 35 and a half hours were spent watching this tripe. We really need to get a better hobby.
0: It was definitely more than that for me, if you consider how many times I had to watch 18 again. <laughs> Maybe it was like 35 and a half for you, but I'm clocking like a cool 53, I think. <laughs> Between our holiday episodes, Jason... And our year in review, it's been a little while since we've done a review proper. Maybe the listeners forgot. But our next episode, we are going back to a film that you gave me. We're going to start off the new year in real film jitsu style by reviewing Ed Wood's Glenn or Glenda.
1: Happy New Year, buddy.
0: We're going to do our bottom five misleading marquees, Mm -hmm. of course, because Bella Lugosi is all over the advertising for Glenn and Glenda, but boy, his role in the film is something we're going to talk about (laughs) when we come back at the beginning of the year for our first episode of 2024. Until that time, we have been your hosts. I am Mike.
1: And I am Jay.
0: We'll see you next time.
1: The best line of that entire thing is when I I threw in this line. <laughs> I can't even say it. I sound like my mother. I'm crying. <laughs>